This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. I don't love junior mints. I just don't hate them. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why they are treated like second-class candy. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Oh, there's a, there's you don't a fantasy understand why a candy that is basically toothpaste wrapped up in stale chocolate is treated like a second-class candy. All right, I get it. It's a good, valid question. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Is there a time to change? You know, the three teams I've drafted this year, <laughs> second-class candy is pretty good. On WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, thanks a lot for hanging around with us this afternoon. I am the Bulldog. Mike Shope is off for the rest of the week. Happy holidays to you all. We'll turn our attention to some football and hopefully, you know, some some brighter days, although things aren't real bright in Los Angeles, and that's where we're heading right now to get the lowdown on this week's opponent for the Bills. Joe Reedy covers the Chargers for the Associated Press and joins us on the West Her Hotline. Joe, it's Chris Parker in Buffalo. Nice to chat with you again. I think Zach tells me you were you were on with us at some point in the in the summer. I think maybe. Anyway, hi. How you doing? I'm I'm, I'm doing just great. How how are, how how are th- how are you? How are things out there? Like, um, are people still shook by the tumult of the changes in the front office and the head coach, or have the waters calmed down considerably as the week has worn on? Waters, I think, have calmed down considerably. I think after a forty-two nothing. Uh, not a 63-21 loss to the uh, Raiders on Thursday night, 42 nothing at halftime. Uh, the Chargers almost becoming a national punchline on Thursday night with uh, some of the Amazon folks saying, can you fire a head coach at halftime? And the fact that, you know, this team has lost five out of the last six. You had division rivals the last two games and to totally come out flat. It wasn't a matter of if Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco were going to be fired. It was when, and if it didn't happen last Friday, it most assuredly was going to happen at the end of the season. Right. Yeah, that's the way that it's been portrayed from my view for really since the season 
started to fail to meet expectations. Um, but it just, I mean, so bad to have. It's funny, we're, we're here today talking a lot about uh, our hockey team. The Sabres lost 9-4 to to one of the worst teams in the league last night. And that same vibe is in the air. Like, you know, is there is there a firing coming? Um, do you think if if they had just lost to the Raiders like a normal score, like not sixty three to ten and forty two to nothing at halftime, that Brandon Staley would still be their coach? Yeah, because I think I think the last two weeks, the the, the players the players were just going through the motions. I I hate to say that a team quit on a coach, but I think the I think the message was no longer going through. And if you look totally flat against the Broncos and especially against the Raiders in a primetime game, and granted there were some some issues because of Justin Herbert being out for the rest of the year due to due to a broken finger and a short work week but for the fact that this team this team basically showed no fight in the first half was basically the sign that it signed that the end was there and when even your head coach is saying do you think you'll be the head coach tomorrow and he says i don't know that's almost (laughs) that's almost a surrender cobra right there it's it's almost like please take me out back right but just just, just somebody please put like Pull the switch and let the floor drop out from under me. I need to get out of here. Where, where did it? Where, where did it really go wrong? It, it feels to me like Staley, when he got there, was like a bright young rising star in the coaching ranks. But even by by last year, there there were there were a lot of questions, and of course that only got worse this year. Like, like I don't know. Is it is it too long an answer to explain like what happened to Brandon Staley? No, because here's the thing: his forte was defense. He get, he got he got the job because he led the top ranked defense in the league in 2020 in his only year as a defensive coordinator, and he's aggressive, uh, bought into analytics and everything. But during your three during his three years here, when you basically throughout the three years have the 28th 29th ranked defense in the league, uh, the pass defense was just abhorrent this year. Um, Going into the year, you knew that they didn't have the cornerbacks to compete, and that was even when J.C. Jackson was on the roster. Uh, Pass rush was better, but he kept pointing to, well, the run defense was better. Well, the run defense was better because everybody was passing on him. First two years, the pass defense was good because everybody was running on him. So this was a team that very rarely could put three phases together the roster construction has never been good. And I, I mean, for all the people that point to, well, look who Tom Telesco got. Tom Telesco drafted Justin Herbert. Tom Telesco was going to get the number three quarterback in that class in 2020. And it was just a matter of if it was going to be Tua or Herbert. There wasn't no fourth best quarterback in that list. Technically, yes, Jordan Love, but he was so far mm-hmm. behind the top three, they, they weren't even going to consider him. So it's just issues that have come through the forefront, and fortunately for Brandon Staley and any any coach under uh, Tom Telesco, the third year things generally went off a cliff, and especially though this year. Yeah, uh, how, how much? How much? I mean, we know Herbert's obviously hurt and and isn't going to be playing, you know, the rest of the year. H- how much falls on on him for all this? Do you think, or is it more the construct and the coaching? 
I think a little bit falls on him. I think you look at uh, last three minutes when trailing this year, he used to be able to pull out those rallies, not so much this year. Um, Part of it has to be on him because he took a lot of needless third down sacks and there were a a ton of turnovers. Um, That uh, Tennessee game in week two, not being able to uh, get the drive late in the fourth quarter for a touchdown where they had to settle for a field goal going overtime. You get the ball and then a quick three and out. Um, There are certainly issues there. I think more on the defense than the offense. Losing Corey Lindsley after three games has uh, put a a ton of pressure on the offensive line. Uh, They just haven't performed this year the way they wanted to. And I think a good portion falls on offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, too. He was brought in to marry the run in the past, and it almost seems as disparate as uh, it has been the first two years where the running game is – there isn't a running game with the Chargers. Let's put it that way. Talking with Joe Reedy, covers the L.A. Chargers for the Associated Press. He's on the Western Hotline. Bills and Chargers play Saturday night um, out in L.A., Games on Peacock nationally, locally. You'll be able to pick it up on your uh, local NBC affiliate, Channel 2, uh, here in Buffalo. So before we move on to like what's left behind here, um, what do you think the way forward is? I mean, we've got interim people in the jobs. Um, like, how, how big do the Chargers go? I mean, I've seen speculation, of course, about Belichick, and I, th- I saw something about Harbaugh today, but I also feel like there's a certain reputation with the Spanos family, and maybe it's not unlike the Bills when Ralph Wilson still owned them. Like, oh, oh, you're going to go big and give $10 million a year to Mike Shanahan. Oh, he still doesn't want to come. Oh, darn. Like, can do you think the Chargers can go big fish hunting for coach slash GM? I think so because you you need a you need a splash higher this time. This is Los Angeles. You're competing against Shohei Otani and the Dodgers. You're competing against a Rams franchise that everybody thought would be five and nine this year, and you would be competing for the playoffs instead. It's the other way around where the Rams have made immense progress in a rebuild, and your franchise is five and nine. So. You know, UCLA and uh, USC going to the Big Ten. The Lakers are always one of the top two teams. You've got to you've got to make the splash higher to compete. And I think it's going to be a case of no longer this is a franchise tra- uh, transitioning into LA. They've they've had their home stadium now for three four seasons. They're moving into a new state of the art all the uh, 12-month complex uh, sometime around the draft. So all the pieces are there, and you need the splash hire. Now, is it the head coach first, and then he gets to pick his GM partner? I don't know, because I think this is going to be a slower process throughout the league now. But I think at at head coach, you have to – this can't be a first-time head coach anymore. You need the veteran – and who knows what? Who knows with other firings what's going to happen throughout the league? Now, is it a first-time GM? I could see that if the GM makes the call and wants to bring in their person. But at head coach, you absolutely have to go for the veteran this time. There's no excuses. How do you feel about Belichick if he becomes available? Which certainly seems like that's how the wind is blowing in Foxborough. Yeah, and I mean, Bill's going to want to bring in his GMs and his guys. 
the question to me is how much longer does Bill want to do this? Um, and is there a clear successor line beyond that? Because when you bring in guys from that tree, not Lane Belichick, it takes a while to uh, get everything out of mm-hmm. out of your system in terms of that. I think we see that with the Raiders now. I know it's taken a few years with uh, the Lions after mm-hmm. the Matt Patricia thing. Um, it did, like I said, I think it depends with him in his seventies how much longer he wants to do that, and then is there a clear succession line beyond that? Because if you bring in Belichick. I think you're also going to bring in a Dave Ziegler type as the general manager, possibly, you know, Josh McDaniels back as an offensive coordinator. So it's going to be, you know, his guys in that tree. So you're not just bringing in the one guy, you're bringing in the entire philosophy and uh, more of the Belichick corporation than anything. Right. Herbert, Herbert's certainly a, an important piece in this and, uh, you know, a significant stakeholder. Do, do you think he'll have any, uh, be offered any opportunity to share opinions about what they're going to do there, or do you think they'll just do what they think is best? No, I think he'll have a chance to share his opinions and how he wants to go, because let's look at it this way. Justin Herbert will be going into his fifth year next year, and he's going to have his third head coach and possibly his fourth offensive coordinator. Now, if the if the Chargers hypothetically ended up hiring like Dan Quinn, I could see Kellen Moore still being around. Mm-hmm. I don't know how on this year you could base Kellen Moore being a legitimate head coach candidate anywhere based on the performance of this offense. But then again, the league in hiring has shocked me in the past. But it's I I think he will have something to say this time because. Granted, every time when there's a head coaching opening, there's a lot of attention throughout the league. But with a franchise quarterback like this and some of the uh, skill position guys that you have on this team, I think what ESPN had it as the second most attractive opening um, out of the nine or ten that could exist this year, there's definitely going to be a lot coming this way because let's face it, Last year, there was a lot of attention on this, too, even though it was an open job because everybody was uh, possibly lobbying for Sean Payton to come here. Joe Reedy covers the Chargers for the Associated Press, and he's on the Western Hotline here on WGR for just a couple of more minutes. You mentioned at the outset here that the message had stopped getting through to the players and you know going through the motions, and, that, and it's evidence, of course, in a 63-21 beatdown last Thursday night. Um how much of a bump would you expect with the with you know with Staley being out and new people coming in because that that's our biggest concern in Buffalo is like if if they were going to be circling the drain we would have liked them to keep circling uh, for another week at least rather than have to deal with a team that might get a boost from a coaching change. Yeah, I mean I hate to steal a Chris Berman line here, but the Chargers will will sure as heck be circling the wagon for this game, but. Um, you also got to look at you've also got to look at the injury factor with this team. Justin Herbert's out there on their third center right now. Keenan Allen is still questionable at best for Saturday's game. They have no running game. Could there be a bump on defense because Derek Ainsley will be calling the plays instead of Brandon Staley? And I think it's more toward getting the best eleven on the field and making sure they can do what they want instead of this is the scheme go do this. 
there might be, but um, who know who knows at this point? I do think it'll be, you know, there'll maybe be a bump for a quarter, quarter and a half. But if there's a key turnover by Easton Stick, who's had problems holding on to the ball or anything else, who knows? It could resemble uh, could resemble the last time the Bills came out here for that uh, opener last year against the Rams, where it was uh, very over early. Yeah. Um, what What is Easton Stick? I have not had the pleasure yet to, to sit with him in a game. I, I missed uh, uh, a lot of the Thursday game that, that caused all this uh, upheaval in Los Angeles. Um, I, I, I'm just looking at stats. I can see he's not someone who's run the ball very much, only two carries for 11 yards. So I'm, I'm, I want to guess that that means maybe he's not a scramble threat. Um, what sort of player are we talking about? He does have he does have a very good arm. If there's the one thing throughout his five years here, he has improved greatly. It's arm strength. And uh, when he came in in the Denver game a couple weeks ago, he had a 60-yard pass to Quentin Johnson uh, to get the Chargers on the board last week. A uh, long pass to Joshua Palmer. Uh, kind of in terms of bombs, it's something we thought we would see more under Herbert this year, but. Uh, Easton has, has basically shown the uh, big play capability. The ironic thing is most people did see him as a scrambler at uh, North Dakota State and maybe coming in here, but uh, I think with offensive line and the pressure rate that opposing defenses have gotten in, he hasn't shown that as much as uh, maybe everybody thought. You mentioned the ground game has not been very productive. It's headed up by Austin Eckler. There was noise in the offseason about a contract extension. It never came. He ended up coming in like most of the running backs ended up doing. Um, I don't know. Is he? Does he look maybe close to finished, or are there structural problems that are causing his lack of production this year? I think a little bit of both. He missed four games due to an ankle injury that was suffered after the opener, and I think we we all know that those high ankle sprains and everything really don't get right until the off season when you can stay off of them for uh, two to three months. So I think that's affected him. Also, his receiving numbers have gone way down as they've tried to be more of a downfield game than uh, maybe going to the check down as usual. So I think maybe a little bit being a seven-year running – seventh year running back but also the scheme has not helped them at all you mentioned Allen. you 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 think this injury will keep him out again this week at this point or is it too early to say i don't want to put words in your mouth joe too early to say he he did work on the side yesterday but with a heel injury and and there have been a few of them with the chargers this year it just seems like a tricky one to uh nailed down dean leonard also has a heel injury and he's missed the last three games so you know i think if he doesn't practice throughout the week is there an outside chance he could go on saturday maybe but at this point it's anyone's guess on a bright note on defense ub stud khalil mack I think a lot of us that follow the league and have followed his career because of his ties to the area here, playing his college ball here, might have thought he was finished. And 15 sacks, I mean, holy, holy, holy cow, that's a number. Yeah, I kind of tried to ask Khalil after the game Thursday night if the last time he had a beatdown from this was uh, one of the UB games <laughs> that he played in, and he and he couldn't quite he couldn't quite answer that. He's like, I don't. I don't remember college. Um, <laughs> no, certainly, certainly a uh, restorative year for him. 
And I think even more so when you consider that uh, Joey Bosa's missed the last four or five games, missed a couple earlier in this season, and the fact he's been able to thrive. And he's been healthy for the first time in a long, long time. So, you know, it's it, it'll be it would be good for him to uh, kind of get that career high because right now he's tied it at uh, 15, definite Pro Bowl, and uh, I don't know if he gets a look at most improved player in the league or not, but uh, I would certainly put him among the candidates for that too. Forgive me for not being up on this. Is Bosa done for the year, or does he still have a chance to come back? He still has a chance to come back. He this was the first. I think this is the first week he could come off uh, IR. But uh, I think right now it's pain tolerance and how that how that foot is operating and everything. Uh, you know, we feel for him because he's he's had three four years of uh, a bad run of injuries like this when uh, we were hoping he'd be good. But um, I don't. Plus, I don't know with how the season's going whether you want to come back and play the last couple or not. All right, Joe. Any any uh, any questions for for me here? I don't want to just make this all one sided. My my partner usually is the one that asks that, but I I feel compelled to offer you the opportunity. I think I think it'll be an interesting matchup. I mean, Bills. You know, that just hearing the Josh Allen uh, audio today, they're they're not looking at the past three games as a whole. They're looking at this week, which they could. And, uh, you know, it seems like since the uh, three-part epic about Sean McDermott has come out, the uh, the Bills have circled mm-hmm. the wagons around their head coach and uh, are playing pretty good so far. They certainly are, and the new coordinator on offense has, has, has looked really good as well. Uh, Joe, really appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Happy holidays, and uh, hope we get a chance to catch up again sometime. No problem. Take care. That is Joe Reedy covering the Chargers for the Associated Press on our Wester Hotline. Of course, Bills and Chargers Saturday, uh, Saturday night. Peacock around the country, NBC Channel Two here locally. So don't don't be put off if you're seeing these ads like oh, Peacock exclusive. It'll be on the local uh, the local over the air here uh, in town. Thinks it'll be a good matchup. Let, let you know. I don't. We'll we'll see what 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 the break brings. Um, we can sort of recharge the hockey conversation if you're up for that. I, I left a whole bunch of people on hold when we started in on the Chargers. If you want to sort of revisit that? I mean, I'm not. I don't think I'm up for doing the whole thing I did at three o'clock again. I don't think that'd be good for anyone. But um, you know, you know the vibe, right? This is this is getting this is getting it's 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 a frustrating time for the Sabres. So if you want to chat about that, I'm here at eight oh three oh five fifty. I do have some ideas about the Bills and this game on Saturday that we can get to as well. If you want to shift gears into that, we do have Sal Capaccio coming up at five. So uh, we'll be more football here as well as we move forward, but. Really, either way you want to go is good by me at 803-0550. Mike is on vacation. I am the Bulldog along with Zach Jones. Thanks for listening to WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.